It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, certified origami instructor and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey coach, welcome aboard. I am Dan Tudor. Great to have you here. Episode 7 of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. And it's going to be a great one. Have a really interesting guest that we're going to talk to uh, here in just a moment. Uh, First, two quick things just as we get the show started. Uh, First of all, if you are a college volleyball coach and you are planning on attending the uh, AVCA, the American Volleyball Coaches Association Convention, Coming up later this week, Um, I will hope that you join me for my two talks at the convention on Friday, uh, back-to-back early in the afternoon. Uh, Some really interesting topics, and would love to meet and talk with you there at the convention if you're going to be there. So really honored to do that. It's always fun getting in front of coaches and getting a chance to sit down and talk afterwards or beforehand. So if you are going and you are a coach that just wants to talk recruiting, has questions, I'm happy to meet, you can email me, dan at dantutor.com, or uh, find me on Twitter and message me at dantutor. Uh, again, we're there to serve you. It's going to be a great event. It always is. And I'm looking forward to presenting two back-to-back talks on different topics on Friday. So just consult the schedule once you get there for the time and the rooms and see if the topics uh, uh, f- strike your fancy and, uh, and, and join me for those sessions. Uh, It would be great to have you there. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention is that we're entering kind of that that odd time where we're transitioning out of fall sports into winter sports, some season ending, some seasons just beginning. And uh, if you're a coach that is is in either one of those situations of just ending a season and now you're really trying to put some focus back on recruiting, or if you're a coach that is starting a season and you're worried that recruiting is going to fall off, uh, this is the time of year where we start working with a lot of clients because of those two situations. Uh, We're able to help you in terms of the messaging that you put out to, to recruits and kind of take up some of the slack in, uh, in helping to plan that and execute that while you are busy coaching. So if that's you, if I just described you and you're looking at recruiting and you're not quite uh, satisfied with where it has been and where you see it going, let's sit down and talk. Again, you can use both of those contact methods. Uh, email is the easiest, dan at dantutor.com. We'd love to get together with you over the phone and, and see if it might be a good fit. Uh, it's not for everybody. We're very specific and methodical and very research-based in how we work one-on-one with coaches, but we work with several hundred programs around the country, all different division levels, all different sports, and uh, they like the results, and we love helping them, so uh, we would love to do the same for you. Today's guest, and I want to jump right into it because it turned into a long conversation, and uh, today's guest is Kevin Richardson. So I'll start at the beginning. Kevin Richardson was a high school teammate and classmate of mine back in California, in Shafter, California, Shafter High School, and uh, we played football together. Now, I, I say that, and that even that requires some clarification. He played football. He was a year ahead of me. He was a senior. I was a junior. Um, he was a player, and I was watching him play from the sidelines. Uh, because uh, he was a great one. Uh, actually got recruited and ended up going to Stanford, uh, played linebacker there, started, I think, for 25 games uh, towards uh, the second half of his career. So uh, he is he was an excellent football player. And what he has done since then, uh, he's uh, in the financial world. He is president of Tactical Wealth Management, up in Northern California, uh, has a family, has two sons, and this is where it gets kind of interesting. Because of what he's been able to do uh, and still remain involved in sports, he has two sons. One is uh, was a recruited walk-on and is at Stanford University as quarterback, Jack Richardson, and he has another son in high school that is playing, uh, playing football, and um, so and is going to probably play in college. 
And so he is taking this whole recruiting uh, observation from the parent level, as well as being a recruited athlete himself. He also uh, married uh, a Stanford Volleyball All-American. And so their family is in athletics and, and has been. That's part of their core and their history. The other thing that he does outside of his normal day job is he is a color commentated color commentator for San Jose State University football. Uh, and then the other thing that he does in the winter is he is a uh, on the radio calling games for uh, Cal State Monterey Bay men's basketball. So he has no free time, number one. <laughs> And, and in that, uh, the rest of the time, he really is centered around observing and being a part of uh, and drawing on his history from being a college athlete. And I wanted to talk to him about the idea that of, are athletes today different in their makeup, different in their approach to the game and their psychology than athletes were back 20, 30 years ago when he was an athlete and when he was playing? Because I'm hearing from a lot of coaches that athletes have changed. And there's certainly a lot of different coaches and a lot of different athletes even that could probably speak to this. But we wanted to talk to Kevin because he has this unique perspective. And he was kind of a throwback athlete uh, back in the mid-80s when he was playing at Stanford. Uh, And there's an element of him that they just don't make him like Kevin Richardson anymore. And you'll start to hear that in the conversation. And the conversation really was focused uh, initially around that topic. But we also got into, as the conversation unfolded over the hour that we talked, it it went into a lot of different things about uh, recruiting and what coaches do and and his observation uh, being around a lot of different coaches and getting to interview a lot of different coaches and being a parent who went through the recruiting process at a high level with his son. Uh, So we go into a lot of different topics, but at the core, is there a difference between today's athlete and the athlete from 20, 30 years ago? And if there is, what happened? Why is that change there? And and is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? So we're going to sit down and have this conversation. And the way that we started off the conversation was kind of around this idea, is there that difference And, and, and is that a good thing? I will prep you that in a couple of places during the talk, um, the conversation got a little bit garbled because of an internet connection issue, I think, on his end. So just play through that and be patient. Uh, It's not bad, but I just wanted to let you know that that was there. Uh, And again, it's, it's just a good conversation to listen to as a coach because you're hearing from somebody that played the game but then also went through the, rec- the recruiting process as a parent and has a really great take on what this generation uh, brings to sports in general at the college level compared to what the generation before did. So with that, we're going to get jumping into this conversation with Kevin Richardson. And again, the first question I asked him was, when you compare the two generations of athletes, today's generation, maybe that compared to that of 20 or 30 years ago, is there a difference in what athletes bring to the game in terms of their attitude and approach? Well, first off, uh, Danny, th- thanks for having me. As, as all the athletes say on uh, Twitter, right, o- honored and blessed uh, to be a part of your <laughs> podcast. That's uh, uh, kind, of, kind of a neat thing, and it's been fun to watch you uh, uh, do what you do with with coaches and uh, and uh, you know when we talk about this question of of are athletes different from what they were 20 to 30 years ago in, in my mind I've always kind of looked at things through the through the football lens whether that's correct or not um, re- remains to be seen but sure I've always felt like you know that if you're judging a football player and saying hey can a guy play football well, he's either got to be strong fast or or really, uh, or really tough. And one, if you can do one of those three things, you can you can play high school football. And if you uh, if you're fortunate enough to be able to do two of those things, well, then maybe you can play at the college level. And of course, three of three, you might make money uh, working for a living as as a as a professional athlete. So, if I look at those first two, are athletes stronger and faster than they were? 20 to 30 years ago, yeah, most definitely. I mean, if you look at the diet, if you look at the training, if you look at the conditioning and all those things that go on, um, you know, I think it's a resounding yes. I think the issue becomes 
when you get to that whole toughness, resiliency, focused kind of thing, and and ha- have we have we improved that over the last twenty to thirty years? And and I and I would say in some instances yes, but I would think overall, I think it's I think it's a little bit different game. Um, and you know, you and I have a commonality of an old high school football coach named Mike Keese that. You know, Mike was a great guy that I, I, I reference all the time in my in my daily life. But at the same time, I think some of the things that, you know, Coach Keese did would are are probably outlawed at this point. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you think about you know practice in hundred degree heat and you know one water break and the clean of tackling that we did back in those days. But uh, you know, a lot of those things that he did, I, I think they taught you taught you how to be resilient. At the same time, I think the changes we have made to make student athletes safer, um, only an improvement. But but the question remains: if you've got a generation of kids that didn't grow up having an occasional fist fight in the playground, you know, you know, you're not able to, as a football coach, have as much contact as you like, or as a coach, basketball maybe is not not as much practice time as you like. How do you really teach the toughness piece? And and I think that interesting an interesting evolution as you as you watch what goes on in in, in college athletics. So I guess the question then becomes, if you look at that, and let's assume that it's true, a lot of your observations are what I hear from college coaches at all levels. I mean. Big time D one coaches down to uh, small Division three college coaches. They are all observing this change, this uh, this difference in attitudes that even just ten years ago uh, is a lot different now than it was back then. And certainly, you know, going back thirty years to when uh, when you were playing and uh, I was I was watching you play. <laughs> we were technically we were on the same team, but we were in different worlds. But the the I guess you know. So where do we where do we begin to point the reason for why has that uh, why has that occurred? I mean, I don't want to say whose fault is it, but what is the as, as you've looked and you've watched and observed athletics as a play by play and color analyst, and now as a dad of a son that's a quarterback at Stanford and one that uh, looks like he's going to be playing football at the next level pretty soon and just you know meshing that with your own experience where do we start to point the finger if we had to diagnose where all this started where what's your take on it well you you know I, I think there's a couple of places that you go immediately and uh you know if you if you think about club sports and and the evolution of that I, I don't think uh I don't think you and I growing up uh, even knew what a club team was and and uh, you know my my wife is a former Stanford volleyball all-american and and uh, she played club volleyball and came from a real humble background but uh, she always talked about when she played club volleyball the only people playing club volleyball were you know d1 caliber volleyball players and uh, you know clearly that's not the case now there's uh, there are, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of, uh, of volleyball clubs all over the country, and so if you look at club sports, it's a, I think it's a great thing because it gets kids out playing sports. But I, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that, and what I mean is, you know, you, you've got too many games. I think a long way that don't matter, um, and the reality I find myself and I find myself doing that uh, as a uh, as parents. You're not going to sign up for a club team where you're not going to play a lot. Um, you know, you 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 really you really pick your spot, and so you get to a place where you know losing losing doesn't hurt because you're playing a lot of games. And the other issue is, you know, they always talk about there's too much emphasis on winning, and I, I really see it a little bit differently. I, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any. Uh, uh, problem with focus on winning. I, I think what it is is everybody's got too much emphasis on finding that perfect situation for their mm-hmm. son or daughter, and you know, taking it one step further. I also think the club sport thing has come a bit become a bit of a hobby for a lot of parents. I know, I know some of the club experiences we've had. Everybody's where they're going to stay, where they're going to stay, and. And how good is the lobby bar? Which is a little a scary, you know, a, a scary uh, proposition for me. But you know, so for the good that you have in terms of developing skills with these club sports, 
I also think, you know, you, you, you've got a little bit of down you know, side there. And, you know, Steve Kerr, the Warriors coach, had a had a pretty good piece last, uh, last, last year, if I remember correctly. And he, he talked about, you know, the fact that if you're not playing for one team, well, then you go find another club team. And then pretty soon you, you, you've, you've lost that ability to, you know, be resilient and, and fight back. And, and uh, I think the, the second thing is, you know, teaching toughness and hustle. I, I think that's a, a huge challenge for uh, for football coaches, but but coaches in any sport. You know, we we've had this shift towards player safety. It's a great shift. Some of the things that that you and I went through were 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 things that we wouldn't want our own children to go through. And at the same time, we're no worse for wear. But you know, we've safety of the safety of the game of football. At the same time, with that, you've got to have that balance in terms of you know, player safety versus learning how to be tough. Because I, I think I think anybody that's playing a college sport, I, I think one of the things you have to concede is when you're done playing, there, there's a bit of a trade-off. There's a couple of things that might be sore, whether it's a back or a knee or a wrist or whatever. And um, the reality is if you don't play those sports, you're probably those, 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 uh, those uh, issues later on in life. But uh, I, I think we've... We've tried to feel where, feel where, feel where, feel where, feel where, feel where everybody feels like your body should be perfect through the entire process, and and quite frankly, that's just not realistic. And then I think the third thing is, uh, while social media is really fun, I think you and I had a, a battle over who could put up the uh, Christmas lights the fastest. And you live on the East Coast, and I live on the West Coast, right? That's a neat thing to be able to check in and see what everybody's doing on Twitter or Facebook. Um, but I really think, um, as a guy who coaches some travel basketball, because I thought, okay, you know, I need to be part of the process and not part of the problem. Um, I really think that has has created uh, probably, I, th- I think, the biggest issue with the with the student athletes in terms of, you know, how how do they fit in the world? How significant are they? You know, it used to be the only way to be significant was to go out and win a game and be really, really good. You know, we were maniacally focused in high school on throwing the discus in the spring. We had no coach, but we just knew it had to go further. And, you know, I personally ended up throwing 197 feet and a teammate threw the shot put 65 feet with no coach. Um, but w- we knew the distance we had to throw it to be significant. Um, now you've got, you know, this whole world where a guy gets a scholarship because he long snapped a ball into a moving car going by and posted it to the internet, right? <laughs> yeah, those are fun. But uh, I, I think uh, I think the the coach up at University of Washington, Chris Peters, he's a, I think he's a fantastic coach. I called a few of his games when he was in the Mountain West Conference and. We were lucky enough to visit him through kind of the, the recruiting process for my oldest son, Jack. And, you know, he had a saying that, you know, we're looking for kids that like to play football, not the kid that likes to be recruited. And, you know, I, I think through all of the social media and all the connection that is created there, I think sometimes, uh, you know, the, the student athletes have a little bit of a, a false conception in terms of what it's all about. And, you know, lo and behold, you roll onto campus, you're a four or five star recruit. You show up in the summer, you do your workouts, you start fall camp, you get into the school year, and guess what? You're a red shirt, and you could go to your phone back in the spring and find your you know, the rivals or the rivals or scout websites. And now guess what? <laughs> There's no video of you anywhere. And I and I think that makes it a little bit tough for kids and 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 uh you know, I, I kind of laughed the other night. I'm a huge college football fan, as obvious by the by the credentials. But you know, anytime football's on, I'm watching it. And I always say the only thing better than a lot of football is more football on a weekend. I'll call, you know, I'll call a I'll call a high school game on Friday, take a red eye, call a college game on Saturday, and while in between while in between as I can. And you know, I was watching Tom Herman, who was at Houston and now at University right. of Texas. And you know, talk about those human needs: certainty, variety, connection, significance, and you know, they said, hey, we're back on the other side of the break. We're going to watch Coach Herman greet his players and give them a kiss. And I just cracked up. I thought about Coach Keese, our high school coach. I'm not sure that guy's ever going to kiss us. But, uh, you know, and as I watched it, clearly what the coach is trying to create there and has done a great job of doing is, you know, creating 
connection with those student athletes by by you know greeting them when they get off the bus, looking them right in the eye, and say, "Hey, we've got a battle today, and and I'm on your side." And you know, when you think about the whole variety piece of human needs, you know, you, 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 these you know uniforms that all the all the teams wear and, and break out that was all started by Oregon. You know, if you've got the fancy uniform that you can put out on Twitter. You know, athletes respond to that. Respond to that, and I tell you, I think it's a, you know, obviously hats off to those coaches that have figured out that component of, of recruiting. Uh, but but you know, it, it's an interesting world when you know club sports has become such a great avenue for people to get recruited and, and get exposure. But you've got the downside you have to manage, and then again, how do you teach toughness when? You know, again, the, you know, the little dust up in the in the uh, in the schoolyard is is not accepted like it was at Richland School back in the old days. And 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 again, when you've got social media that takes this, you know, thousands of different ways. And, you know, we're probably a few months away from another type of media, social media that takes it in another direction. So it's definitely a, a, an ever changing landscape, if you will. So you mentioned something, uh, one or two things in, in that last answer that I want to play off of. And the first thing would be kind of the parent's role in all this, because you mentioned the parent's role in club sports, and it almost becomes as much of an activity and a lifestyle for the parent as it does the athlete. And then that certainly can flow over into recruiting and even how that parent interacts with their athlete at the college level. But then you also mentioned uh, your Christmas tree uh, or your Christmas light contest, um, and this was—I uh, didn't know this about you, Kevin—but you actually, you actually marked down on the on the boxes with your lights in them the time total time that it took the year before to put up all the lights around the house. And I think I saw a video of you and maybe it was your uh, youngest son basically working in tandem to put the lights up and i mean it was you know you guys were not casually putting the lights up you were you were hauling and you keep track every year of of the time it takes to put up the christmas lights now i'm just i'm explaining that and here's the question i have that that's not the normal parent and the normal way to not only put up christmas lights but also just to you know that 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 ingrained competitiveness that obviously you've taught your sons that you were probably taught by your dad and and your coaches um but that's would you agree that's not normal and what do you see just as the the alternative that what are how have you seen most coaches i'm sorry most parents treat that process uh where you're pushing to to put the christmas lights up faster every year and and keeping track of your time I don't think that's the average normal parent. So can you just talk a little bit, your, your observations of the parents around you as well as, as what you've observed uh, with your contact with, with college athletics? <laughs> you bet, yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, keeping track of your, uh, your time and in installing the Christmas lights is, is, is probably not normal, but I think uh, I, you know, our household uh, does tend to get a little bit, uh, little bit competitive o- over, over the years, but... Uh, we always try to kind of make it fun, but uh, you know, going back to um, that whole competitive piece and 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 other parents, the, the interesting part for me is as we've kind of matriculated through Pee Wee sports and and uh, you know, it seems like baseball is always the first play kids play, and my boys could never hit a baseball, and you know, they they could throw it, but it's a different motion than throwing a football, so they you know didn't ever want to pitch because they didn't want to mess with their football throwing and all that stuff, and. So, you know, baseball was kind of something we did because the kids in the neighborhood were doing. And then as things progressed, they'd become a little more serious about things. And I know when we got into the, the travel basketball and, uh, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, we can't play a game 15 minutes from here. We've got to drive two hours or three hours to do it. <laughs> we, had, we, we had decided, look, as a family here, and of course it helps having a wife that, that – uh, you know, was, you know, a Hall of Famer at Stanford that gets it. But, you know, our, our deal was, we'll go do this, but what are you going to put into it if we go and do it? Because you're going you're to shoot the basketball for an hour a day um, when we don't have practice, you know, because most of your travel stuff is, you know, two or three days a max, maybe maximum. Right. And so, you know, if, if we're going to do this, then we need to do this to improve 
on be, being a basketball player and and really you know measure this thing right i mean we we can go to a lobby bar anywhere let's let's actually get really good at at, at playing basketball and and uh you know for me as a parent I, I don't know where that came from other than i guess we had none of those social distractions you know in, in chapter so we were always kind of focused on you know can i be a better can i be a better football player can i be a better discus thrower can i be a better basketball player but you know that's always been our our trade-off and and we've always you know told the boys look you just want a chance to heat and uh you know if you've got that chance that's that's really all you need as i observe parents both at the just uh, my peers with you know grade school and high school kids it, it's interesting because they're kind of focused more on kind of the uh the involvement if you will versus the output and and as you know working with the coaches you work with they're 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 gauged by winning and losing and uh you know that that gets confusing uh, i think for parents because they say hey look i've spent all this time i've put all this input into whatever sport whether it's soccer basketball um or what have you and you know they, they they believe that the input will actually create the output when a lot of times maybe the input's correct or it's not enough input i i think that's probably the one you see the most where people just have a very um i think uh, a, a a very skewed idea of what it takes to be a, a college athlete I, i'm amazed i do you know cal state monterey bay basketball and you know that is you know division two and I am amazed at the quality of basketball that's out on that floor on a weekly basis. You know, it, it's it's not uncommon to have to going back to size and, and strength and speed and those things. You know, it's not uncommon to have two players on one player on each team that's almost a seven footer out there on the floor that can really play. By the way, um, and so I, I think parents get lulled into that. You know, we've put in so much input um, that we should somehow have this output that should pay off for us. Um, when the reality is, maybe their input is about half of what you really need to do because they don't realize that you know the other kids are shooting for an hour to two hours, you know, every week. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's a tough thing for people to really, really understand because that level of dedication becomes really high. The other thing that I watch. Um, just as a as a uh, as a college broadcaster, it's interesting to watch the coaches that recruit to those parents and understand to explain that. So we talk about the parents and their their influence over the whole thing, and, and maybe that how how that has contributed to the attitudes and character displayed by some of. Uh, college athletics and or college athletes and high school uh, recruits I'm just wondering Kevin from your standpoint of of sitting in on recruiting meetings with your son but also watching different programs build their teams I mean that's what you get to do as a broadcaster you're you're not a coach but you're right along with the coaches as they as they attempt to build their teams I'm just wondering if you had to offer some general advice on what you've seen coaches do right and wrong what would you what would you tell our audience, which is college coaches trying to figure out how do I recruit these kids in this generation? Uh, what have you seen good coaches do to do that? And what would your recommendations be for coaches listening to this about how to go about and having a good system or a good approach for recruiting this generation of athlete? Well, I think that's a that's a great uh, a great discussion to be had. That's for sure. You, you know the the thing is, right, as, as, a, as an athlete, we're always kind of brought up to say, okay, if you can't uh, dribble with your left hand, you should really, you know, work on your left-handed dribble, right? Uh, if, you, if your drop as a linebacker on pass defense isn't good, then you need to improve that. And, uh, and I believe that as an athlete. I also believe, you know, go with what works. I, I wish I would have figured that out earlier in my athletic career, right? Do what you do well and do it over and over again. But as a result, I think the biggest mistake I see in the recruiting process is every coach wants to improve their program, whether it's you know equipment, uniforms, what swag they're wearing, facilities, all of those different things. And so you know that battle internally, uh, administratively, I, I see that always kind of uh, 
bubble over into recruiting in a negative way, meaning, you know, the way you place things uh, in the recruiting process, I, I believe, is, is really the key on the whole thing in that, you know, if you don't have a comparable facility to the people that you're battling with, well, by all, by all means, I don't think you want to be uh, bringing that up first and foremost in the conversation. I think you want to play to your strengths and point out what you have what you have that, that is an advantage uh, uh, over, over your competitors. And so, you, you know, you see that, you know, coaching is all about and trying to improve those things that you don't do well. And I think that really becomes the centerpiece of the recruiting pitch for a lot of people that really struggle to get the recruits they want. Um, the stuff that I've seen over the years uh, that has been really, really impressive, that stuff has all played to the strength of the program. And, uh, and it is, again, I think something as simple as, you know, you're able to, you know, a, as a parent, you get four tickets for every game. This is how it works. If your son's here on scholarship, he'll also get money to buy books, um, which is the case with their competitor a lot of times at the, you know, at the FBS level. But again, if it goes unsaid, a lot of times these parents, it's their first time through. And um, if you're the guy that really explains that clearly, um, you tell them, tell them, and tell them again. I, I think that uh, I think that ends up being a huge advantage. Um, you know, the the coaches that are able to really kick it to the next level are the ones I think that take the whole, you know, uh, issue of they've got great facilities or you know towards the towards the top in terms of facilities, but then they really play off of those those human needs, right? Mom wants some certainty about where she's sending her kids, so she wants to know. <laughs> Where's the locker room? Where does he live? Where does he eat? Where does he do all these things that, quite frankly, as parents, we're way too involved in before they leave for college, right? Um, but, you know, the, the trips that do that well um, are the ones where you walk away and say, gosh, this, is, this really feels great because you've got some, some certainty to the process. Um, you know, so, again, it, it's an interesting battle because, again, as a coach, I always feel like coaches spend a lot of time, probably too much time, thinking about what don't we do well as athletes, what don't we do well as a team, what don't we have as a program, because, you know, the quest is to improve those. And, and my piece would be, I think you've really got to play to the strengths and play to the strengths very, very hard. Um, and, again, provide that, uh, that certainty f to everybody involved. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, the little things like, uh, you know, Coach McIntyre at, at University of Colorado had, had the pleasure of being, you know, the color analyst for his time out at San Jose State. And I knew when he got to Colorado, having been there a few times and my son attended the football camps and all those different things, I knew that the recruiting pipeline was going to open wide, uh, open, uh, open full blast for him um, out of places like California and Texas. And the reason I know that is when he was out here in California, he went to every school. He worked really, really hard at, at getting relationships put together. And then I knew that he would be the guy that would walk in and explain the value of Southwest Airlines if you live near the Bay Area in Northern California or down in, in, in the Southern California area, that you know, it, it's less than two hours to, to land in Denver and, and be basically on campus. And uh, you know, I just think the little things like that that you know, you, you, you don't necessarily control, but boy, you do control the info that is, that, is, that is there in terms of, you know, parents realizing how close, you know, one school is, um, you know, a after, after first glance, you know, understanding the, the simplicity of, of, of making it to and from the campus and all those different things. So the guys that are doing it really, really well obviously have those facilities, but they're not just leaning on the facilities. They're saying, look at look at the entire package here and, and really playing off of those human needs, giving, giving mom and dad some certainty in terms of where their, where their son or daughter is, is going away to college. So, so when, when you, you, as you're going through as, as a parent through that process, uh, you obviously are observing different things that, that college coaches are doing. And like you described it as you get a feeling for their program or the school or how things are laid out. And, and that's part of the decision-making. I'm going to flip it around for the college coaches. I think they're doing the same thing. And I remember a story about you when you played 
uh, linebacker at Stanford uh, that, and I actually tried to look this up and I couldn't find anything on it, but just uh, let me know that uh, I know for a while, maybe it was your whole career, the only thing that you would bring on a road trip was your toothbrush. And, and I'm just comparing that to now you've got kids that have to have the right kind of headphones on. You've got to have the right kind of, uh, you, know, the, you know, the clothes matter. And it's so much more of a personal style as opposed to uh, probably oversimplistic the way that you did it. But, you know, what do you think about that? Just again, I, that, I think that goes towards just how the general attitudes and, and persona of kids is developed. And it seems like it's so much more focused on, uh, on them and their style and who they are. And, um, and, and it, you've got to have the most expensive stuff. You have the right shoes and everything. And uh, I just, I'd love for you to just sort of talk about what you've observed and compared in, with, with so much contact around college football and, and, uh, and also men's basketball. And if you wouldn't mind also confirming the toothbrush story. <laughs> yeah, the toothbrush story is actually true. And uh, I, I think the genesis of that for me as a uh, as a student athlete, I I, uh, I was really uh, just so grateful to have the opportunity to play college football, and for me it was uh, a very focused approach during the season. Um, I, I would have really enjoyed, I think, uh, you know the 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 twenty four seven three hundred sixty five day a year thing that they have going now. Really, basically with with college athletics. Um, so for me, it was really, I always felt like if I don't have to manage anything else other than the clothes I have on, and I took my scouting report, I would fold that up and put that inside my coat pocket, um, you know, I, I'm going to be able to give that effort that I really think this this uh, opportunity uh, deserves. And uh, so, so that's kind of where that came from, because I remember being stressed out trying to find the right bag and all these different things. And my roommate, who who is uh, exponentially smarter than I, went on to Harvard Med School and is a successful doctor now. He said, "Well, why don't you just take your toothbrush, and then you won't have to worry about anything else." So that's 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 kind of where that came from. But uh, you know, in, in terms of now, I, I made I made a couple of observations over the last couple of years. If you if you look at all of the resources that are really put towards uh, student athletes now. Uh, boy, there, there's, there's no reason to fail, right? Um, they're, they're helping you academically, um, you know, with the way things work, with the, with the uh, contracts, with clothing. You, you really don't need any clothes at, at the end of the day, right? Because everything you have says has, has your school name on it, whether it's shorts or shirts or whatever. Um, but I, I really think, uh, I really think that whole part of the recruiting process. To me, gets a gets a little bit frivolous, um, and it's interesting as you watch coaches that try to try to play off of that because, you know, five years ago, it wasn't a given that you had so much swag that you you, you literally couldn't wear it all. Now that is the case. The coaches have figured that out. If you feed people well and you give them you give them swag, they're going to be in a great mood. And now it really becomes a situation where how do you how do you how do you become unique in this very you know generic battle that you're in the middle of? And I had a great uh, great interview with the uh, head coach at Portland State this year. Um, I'm always in charge of doing our pregame interview for our radio broadcasts, and and uh, one of the things that they were doing, and it was a cost cutting measure, but they were taking bus trips, and so they were going to take a bus trip from Portland down to San Jose, and I uh, asked him about that bus trip, and he said, well, I have one requirement of my bus the bus cannot have plug-ins to charge an iPhone. And he said so, uh, or cell phone in general, I guess, smartphone, I guess, in the world we live in. But he said, so the, the beauty is, by the time we're down to about Medford, we're going to have, on the I-5, we're going to have a team that's sitting on a bus and talking to each other. And if they talk to each other and they connect with each other, again, back to another human need, I feel like we're going to have a little better team at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, he'll pick out a movie from the 80s, you know, he was kind of a, you know, an 80s guy like us. And he said, you know, as a result, we've taken uh, something that is not necessarily a positive, not a horrible negative. There's plenty of teams that jump on, a, on long bus trips. 
but um, but we're making it into a positive by saying, hey, how can we improve our our, our team and and the way we get along and uh, and thus the way we produce out on the field. So. You know, it, it, it has come a long ways, obviously, in the last 20 to 30 years in terms of, uh, in terms of the student-athlete and, and being an advocate for themselves, making sure that they're absolutely comfortable. Um, but at the same time, I, I think the coaches that are, that are saying to their players, hey, this is the equivalent of a business trip when you get older, and you've got to go get that sale. Um, or you know you need to go get a new client and uh, you need to be prepared you need to be dressed right and you need to learn how to travel and you need to learn how to you know talk to the media and do all those things in this world that we live in where it's you know 24 7 exposure I, I, I made the comment to uh, coach Whittingham at, uh, at University of Utah this year when I interviewed him and I, I said you know I feel like you're my neighbor because I see you on the Pac-12 network literally on a nightly basis. It's so <laughs> funny to do those interviews at this point. But, uh, but I, I think that's something that, uh, that you know, at, at, the, at the FBS level has become a given. Again, everybody's got everything they need to travel and all of the creature comforts. And so now it becomes, how can we make this road trip a little bit better um, in terms of you know improving our team because we've we've got this time together we've got it we've got to be on the road so how do we how do we make this a, a positive and, uh, and and really make it into something that helps us produce as a team? What did you uh, with with the the recruitment of your son Jack who's now at Stanford as we've mentioned uh, one of the quarterbacks there. When you saw uh, you mentioned um, Coach Peterson at Washington talking about the type of player he wanted to have on his team, the kid that likes to play football, not likes to get recruited. I'm just wondering your other observations about what you saw coaches do right in the recruitment of your son and, you know, stepping back and sort of being along for the ride as a parent with that whole process. What do you see them do right as far as trying to figure out and gauge what his, your son Jack's, personality was and character was? Did you see them try to figure that out and how how did you see them go about it the right way? Because this is all about just sort of the idea of, of you know, if, if kids now are mostly um, you know, feeling entitled and sort of have that air about them, I think I hear coaches all the time trying to talk, to, uh, talk about the idea of finding these kids who aren't that way. And they want kids who are you know, uh, more like uh, the, the Richardson kids all the way through uh, yourself and your son. So I'm just wondering, what did you see coaches do to try to figure out and, and draw that out to, to, as they were trying to figure out uh, your son, uh, Jack? And I'm really looking maybe for teaching points that you could give over to coaches about how they would want to uh, approach athletes and, and find out the things that they need to know from them from a character standpoint, the ones that they're recruiting. Well, that's a that's a that's a good question, and and you know with with Jack, he is uh, you know he is a walk on at Stanford, which is which is interesting in terms of the things that were going on for him as a as an athlete, both you know I guess as as a recruited athlete and and some scholarship opportunities, but to ultimately decide to uh, to walk on at Stanford, and I know Stanford for him was a great fit in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, he's a great student. Um, and of course, you know, grew up going to the Stanford games, and and uh, you know that was always kind of the dream school. And uh, so, at the same time, there was no scholarship offer, and 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 the and the uh, ladder that you climb as a walk-on is 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 a tall one, right? It's it's you've got a lot further to go than a guy that came in there on scholarship. But ultimately, that was his choice, and. I really believe a big piece of that choice was the was the the coaching staff there in that they understood what Jack was about. They understood that uh, that that uh, academics was was really important to him. They understood that integrity was important to him, and 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 they did a great job of of really, you know doing what they said they were going to do in the recruiting process and keeping in mind as a walk on, you know what they say they're going to do is is, is fairly limited because they're saying, hey, here's an opportunity for you. It is as a walk-on, but everything they said they were going to do, they did. And we had other relationships that were, 
you know, situations where scholarships were being discussed, but a lot of times they just didn't say what they were going to do uh, or do what they were going to say, what they said they were going to do. And obviously that was that that was a quick turnoff. I, I as parents, we we kind of walked in to most of these things uh, on a real low key level. We didn't walk in and say, okay, we've got a background in athletics. I'm not sure if that was a uh, a plus or a minus in the recruiting process, but I was always surprised at what a low level of recon ha- uh, that that took place in a lot of the other situations that that, that we were that we were involved in. Um, you know, with a with a quick in what way? Search. Well, it, just in terms of you know when you when you walk into a a, a room of recruits on a game day where uh, you're you're able to come up and visit the game and and see what was going on, you know it, it's pretty easy to scan the room and say, okay, this is a room full of football players. That dad's a pretty good sized guy over there. My hunch is he probably played football somewhere, right? And as as a parent, I would ask those other parents, so did you play somewhere, right? And if you make the mistake of asking someone if they played and they didn't play, no harm done. But if you make the mistake of patronizing someone who actually played football and they're there with their son, huh, you know, I, I think that's I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure as a coach, like how you could let that happen to yourself, right? So if you're going to error, error on the side of you. You look like a football player. Where did you play? And uh, so just simple stuff like that. Do, do you do you have a background in football? Do you you know mom looks pretty athletic? Does, did did mom play a sport? Those kinds of things. So so the real simple I thought was always um, was always ignored, um, or not always ignored, but but ignored at a lot of places. Um, right. Right. The other thing is, you know, so much of the recruiting process in football um, and with a lot of the other sports is built around attending the camps. And uh, it was always interesting to just sit and watch. And I realize I probably watch it with a different lens, having played and, and you know, involved as a, as a color commentator now um, at the college level and having, having done that for the last nine years, I, you know, but you watch coaches and you realize that they hadn't even glanced at the roster of attendees at the camp. And I, and I realize those camps are part, uh, you know, part evaluation, part moneymaker. Um, and thus you end up with a lot of kids that probably will never have a chance to play on the, in, in the stadium that, they're, they're taking, that the camp is taking place in. But to not have glanced through that and understand where the kids are coming from that are that are at the at the particular camp. So, the easy stuff. Uh, really, really, uh, really uh, interesting to me how sometimes that's ignored. Um, and the other part is really finding out what the kid is about. And uh, you know, there was an instance where um, the uh, the the coach had mentioned. To Jack, you have great grades. You can really coast as a senior. And, you know, for Jack, that was really, uh, you could tell, it was like, okay, this discussion has probably just ended. Um, because, you know, the last thing you want to do is tell a competitive kid who's doing great academically that, hey, you've got enough to get in here. You can go ahead and coast. Um, so, you know, something like that where you, you, you're, you're, you, you understand what the kid's about academically and obviously, if they're serious about academics, you don't want to discount the academic piece. So all those little simple pieces, I think, uh, for me, it was a little bit surprising how, how easily um, those were ignored. You know, my, my day job is as a financial advisor, and, and it's almost like a comedy skit when we get a, a prospect in here because, you know, with, with the power of the Internet, uh, you know, we know everything about them, but... You know, we're obligated to ask those questions and create a relationship. But you know, nine times out of ten, we we know the answer to the question because we did the background. So, you know, when you, when you're getting to that point with a with a student athlete where they're uh, somewhere close to being on the short list, um, you know, how do you not have those answers because they're right at your fingertips? And uh, and you know, the 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 other piece of that is as you're building that recruiting network. You know, some, sometimes those kids that, that, that come out of nowhere have a background that, that if you looked at the background, they probably didn't come out of nowhere, right? Um, right it was right. just a situation where, 
you know, maybe they were in a high school program that didn't highlight them quite, you know, quite correctly and all those different things. And, and so when you watch those coach, coaches cast their nets, um, it, it, it is it is interesting the the varying degrees and, and it and you know we we're talking all the way from the FBS level to the to the Division two two level in terms of what Jack was doing from a recruiting process and uh, boy you, you couldn't say that the Division two guys uh, those were the guys that made those mistakes actually those guys a lot of times were a lot more diligent with a lot less resources at hand so. Uh, Again, I, I think just the simple stuff, and, and again, the, the, I know it was always very appreciated by, by me and, and, and my wife, Teresa, when somebody just would stick out their hand, shake your hand, and say, hey, thanks for coming. This is where we're at in the process with your son. And, you know, it, it, it didn't have to be the best news in the world. You just wanted the straight-up news, and, uh, and that, that really meant a lot. And I've still got a lot of friends that I, I keep in touch with that, you know, uh, you know their interest in Jack wasn't there, but you know it was a very upfront and, and, and straightforward relationship. I you know at, at the end of the day, it's 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 a bit of a business transaction in any good business I've ever seen. There's there's a lot of follow through and there's a lot of communication along the way. So <clears throat> the last question that I'll sort of throw at you as a way to wrap up what's been, I think a really interesting conversation, just your observations as you've gone through the process and. Your observations about coaches and thinking back to when you played I guess the question would be are we our kids today athletes today do they do they deserve some of the bad rap that they get and certainly there's individual um, there's individual instances where that's where that's true where you can just tell the kid is out for himself not out for the team and I'm just wondering though just from because you've also you know now you're you're uh, in some way around the the uh, the Stanford football team uh, for a second time you know you played and and then uh, uh, and now your son's playing there and I'm just wondering just if you compare the two teams are they basically the same kids that they were back in the mid 80s and now here you are uh, 30 some year la- 30 some years later are, is it the same kind of kid are we making a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of you know something out of nothing or or is there a shift have you seen the attitudes change and and yeah when we played uh, we had a coach that only gave us one water break and it was a hundred degrees and couldn't take off our helmet and all the all the stuff that that maybe we could say made us tougher and more resilient um, but at the end of the day, are the kids the same, or are they a lot different? What's your observation? You know, another another great question, and and you know, I've spent very little time around the Stanford team this year, other than you know the the little exposure you get on game sure, day. Sure. So, you know, uh, I you know I work off of you know kind of what Jack has to say, and 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 I would say. It, it, it's very parallel to what I see because I, I, you know, I see the San Jose State uh, kids a lot more because we're on a plane going to a game and through hotels and all those different things. I actually am always very um, optimistic when I spend time with the with the student athletes. I, I think the thing that, uh, in terms of their attitude and 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 their their value set and and what they're trying to do, I, th- I think the thing that really blurs the lines a little bit and and. Uh, is is the social media piece in in terms of uh, you know perception and reality and all those different things that are going on and and you know if you look at the the steady stream of, of info that a that a that a team has to generate to 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 get the coverage they want to have that presence in in recruiting and all those different things and I we've probably gone too far and we'll probably see a little bit of a little bit of a correction over the next couple of years would be my hunch but. Uh, Sometimes that perception or what we read, you know, the headline, the, the, the clickbait, if you will, on ESPN, because, you know, I'm always amazed when you'll read, you know, the, the horrible headline, you know, kind of drill down into the story and go, okay, there's a little more here than, than, than the headline conveyed. Um, and then you also think of the number of student athletes that are out there. Um, so it's, you know, this, a majority that's giving kind of the, the or the, the minority that's given the majority um, a, a bad rap. A few guys make a mistake, and all of a sudden, everyone else has to own it. But you know, I, I see a I see a group of kids that that uh, that want to communicate, want to connect, 
Um, I, I do see a, a group of kids, a generation that it really struggles to how do you communicate and how do you connect? Um, you know, a text message is great, but sometimes it's better just to pick up the phone. Um, and uh, I, I also see coaches that, that really take advantage of that, um, the, the venue, if you will, um, uh, of athletics to make sure that their kids do, because we see both things, right? We see coaches that say, I don't, you know, our, our players are too busy to be doing interviews and we don't want that pressure on them to do interviews as broadcasters we see this and and we see other coaches that say yeah our, our players need to be front and center and they need to learn how to talk to the media because uh, that's a that's a great uh, life lesson because when you stand stand up to do a sales presentation you're you're going to be very very confident because you did something really hard as a as a student athlete so you know i, I see a group that, that that needs some direction as it relates to that um the part that uh, the part that I struggle with, and I, and I think that kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation in terms of, you know, when you when you look at kind of the avenues that you use to find your way to college athletics, club sports has a big uh, a big uh, role in that, and with that big role, you're you're obviously finding a club that fits for you, aka, are you playing a lot? And I guess if I could wave a wand and, 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 and change things in college athletics overall, the thing that I watch that really, that really bothers me is the athlete that is, is doing well. Hopefully you made a decision to go to the school you're going to because it had something that you were interested in academically. And they'll 180 out of, a, out of a school after a couple of years because, well, gosh, I'm third on the depth chart and I think I should be first or second on the depth chart. And I, and I think, you know, of all the lessons I learned through athletics was, you know, the, the whole the fo- focus and, and, and discipline and, and things will work out. They, they ultimately do. I always tell the story of being the 11th inside linebacker in a 3-4 defense and there's two linebackers, and I'm the 11th, and I remember thinking, this will never happen. And, you know, and, and lo and behold, you know, 18 months later, by just scratching and clawing in every, every sense of the way, um, you know, ended up playing quite a bit and ultimately, you know, started for 25 games. And, I, and I'm really proud of that, not from the standpoint of I can tell people that I started 25 games, but I know that starting as the 11th guy that challenge was a huge challenge and it was it was pretty much stacked against me and uh and you know by just trial and error trial and error and and a whole lot of trial it it happened and i and i just i'm fearful that that's the, the to me that was one of the most valuable lessons i learned through college athletics or athletics in general and i and i and i fear with all of this transparency you know that if you're a quarterback and and uh, and you you can you can transfer out because another program that you've heard of via social media and all of this transparency is looking for a quarterback, you know that's a good thing I guess if you end up starting and playing and that's that was your 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 sole mission in life. But I, I think maybe we're missing a couple of those really important things about. You know, if you're good enough to play at any level, you're going to play. I'm I'm convinced of that. Um, and so, if you stay there and stick it out, does that make for maybe a better a better college career? And that you spent four or five years on a campus, if you're redshirted, obviously five years. Um, and now, not only did you have a great career because it was satisfying, you got to where you needed to go, but you've also got these friends that you 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 developed over over a, a three to five year time frame because the thing that sticks out to me is as as I have a freshman in college watching him create a whole new set of friends and going back through my set of friends that are really you know uh, very college centric for me but it took a couple years to really develop those friendships because in college you can actually choose who, who your friends are right, <laughs> right and right, uh, right. and I and I think we're I think we're doing a disservice to that to that whole process. At the same time, I, I understand the argument of you've got a quarterback that runs the uh, West Coast offense and a quarterback throws the ball all the time and he's replaced by a guy that runs the triple option. That's not a great situation for that student athlete, those four or five quarterbacks on the roster. So I also understand the, the need for some mobility um, within your college career. but. Uh, you know the number I, I, I it escapes me now, and I guess that's from all those collisions uh, back in back in the old days. But uh, 
Yeah, the number of uh, of, of uh, college basketball players who who transferred last year was staggering to me when I read it's it. Forty percent. Yeah, yeah. So you know, is that good? Is that making college basketball better? Maybe you could argue that because the you know the the talent is is spreading out through you know all levels of, of college basketball. At the same time, what kind of what kind of development are we are we really going through as, as as young adults in terms of you know getting into a process, being resilient, sticking with a process, and really you know making making things happen for yourself? Because you're going to get to a point in life, right, where you know we, we've all got to do what we've got to do. We've all got to go out there and make a living, and and things happen you know over the course of your life. That you have to be able to respond. That's always my big thing with coaching travel basketball is you know one of my four tenants is is uh you know how are you going to respond if things don't go well and uh and uh that's always a tough one to coach especially at the junior high level where i've done most of my travel ball coaching but uh you know i I think we're missing that big lesson um in this in this uh the ability to move around but uh Overall, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about what I see in terms of uh, college athletes and, and college coaches. I, I think they, you know, number one, all college coaches want to win. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, wh- what what uh, what levers they use to try to get those wins. And, and we see guys that do it the right way, and that's really a fun story. And then you see guys that don't do it the right way, and that 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 kind of lands, you know, on the entire uh, on the entire. Uh, operation if you will and uh so it's you know it's a good thing it's it's uh i think it's in a better place than it was 30 years ago again we're we're, we're making for a lot safer venue and and uh and uh a platform for the for the for the young student athletes to participate you know we're a title nine house i always say you know my wife being a volleyball player and on full scholarship at stanford when she was there and i i, I love the fact that the Title IX is actually implemented at this point because back in the 80s, you know, everybody was faking it. No, no one was Title IX compliant, and I, and I like that. I think that's important. I also think it's important for you know that level of play to come up and really be be uh, something that everybody's everybody's proud of. So you know, it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to do this. It's a whole other thing to say, let let let's make sure that everybody follows through and does their part. So I'm a fan. I, I think we're going in the right direction. You know, uh, you know the the move, and, and you can't you can't stop social media. That's for sure. Uh, I, I think we'll ultimately figure that out as a as a society, and thus you know athletically, and and I and I think the moves that we've made on behalf of student athlete uh, freedom and and uh, and in terms of safety has been a good thing. I, I I made the mention at the beginning of our podcast. I think I would love this 365 day a year engagement as a as a as an athlete because I just love the game of football so much. But um, that's the other part that I, I, you know, we'll talk about another day. But I think just the the ability to really crank things up and and the intensity of being a college athlete at any level is pretty high now because you've got film and you've got this limited practice time. So coaches are working off of a really strict schedule, and thus, you know, you can really crank things up on a student athlete physically and mentally. And I think that's a thing that. Uh, that you know the industry is starting to try to figure out how do we balance this thing. I've heard multiple football coaches say this bowl season. Last year, I overworked our team before Christmas, and we played really flat around the first of the year. And I'm changing it this year. I mean, boy, Coach Keith back at Shafter High School playing for the Generals. We uh, the only afternoon we got off is when it was 108 degrees, and they called off school because we didn't have air conditioning. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think we're going the right way. I think we've got some great people in charge, and I and I think it needs uh, it needs uh, it, it needs great people to continue to steward the the, the the product and make sure we're doing right by both the uh, both the uh, coaches and, and the players. But uh, it's uh, like I say, honored and blessed. It's fun to be a part of uh, of college athletics, and it's great to have been a college athlete because I think. A lot of those experiences that I had have really helped me in just the day-to-day, day-to-day thing of life, and I've learned to take a travel bag, not just a toothbrush. So,
All right, Coach, that's going to wrap up today's show. Thanks a bunch to Kevin Richardson for being a part of it. We appreciate his comments. Remember, if you're a volleyball coach, I hope to see you this week at the ABCA convention and my two talks on Friday. Until then, everybody, have a great week out there and be a fantastic and disciplined recruiter. 